That's why I tell people you got to respect all fighters. You know, people always go about worrying about records and, and all this. He lost or he's a bum and all that. Well, you get your bum ass in there then. <laughs> and let's see who's the bum, really. Because you don't play this. You can't play this. So we, we demand respect at all times. Every fighter that step in the ring, I don't care what the record is. I don't care who they are or where they come from. It demands respect because if not, then you see things like that happen. And then all we were, oh, that's a good knockout. Yeah, it's a great knockout. It's devastating, making history and stuff like that. But how much that man going to suffer? He may be all right right now, a little bit. But what about the next day? What about two weeks from now? What about a month from now? Maybe years from now? And we seeing what happened. Look at look at look at Cologne. Talking look about how he Richard got Cologne. Here. Richard Cologne. That's Richard Cologne. Yep. Correct. This man ain't have no kids. <laughs> man, they don't understand, man. Y'all don't fucking understand what we go through, man. And I don't even know him like that. But I always be an advocate for us because ah, this man would never know what it feel like to be somebody's father. And that's some of the precious thing in the world to be somebody's father. But he'll never be nobody's father, man. This man will never have a natural childhood ability of, 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 of living again because he got in the ring to support his family. But now... His family got to take care of him for the rest of his life. He might, he probably would have been, he probably would have the breadwinner of his family. And now they looking, seeking for help and shit like that. I can say so much about it. That's why you can't play this. This is serious. We don't know if Robert going to be the same after this. I just did a job. Great at what I do. I don't, I don't. I don't mean to take people away from their lifestyle of living. I'm just trying to support my family as well. This is what we signed up to do. And unfortunately, there's a winner and there's a loser. And sometimes it's a draw. We're back at it. You know, on the Lord's Day of Rest. Thought we'd just hand something over, kick over a quick summary of what happened over the weekend, because hey. It's been a long time since I've done anything on a Sunday, and I'd quite like my Mondays back to myself for a little bit. But welcome back, everybody, to the number one podcast in the sport where you were getting ringside seats to the O2 with your Nandos. They were seemingly that keen to, to get those tickets distributed. Um, we'll come on to the Shields Marshall card later. I just want to talk about Deontay Wilder and that card on Saturday because I think that card was pivotal for restoring value back to boxing in general at that macro level. If you think about it, Joshua losing to Usyk sucked a lot of value out of Joshua, right? So now you've kind of got Usyk, a small heavyweight that people believe can outskill everybody, yet, yet to be proven, right? For me, still yet to be proven. You've also got Fury, who has let fans down by not making this Joshua fight. So there's a lot of equity that's gone. So we look at those, those three guys. Usyk 
I'm hurt. I need to rest. I'm in pain. I can't cope with being a heavyweight. I don't like eating. You got Fury who's on the I'll fight any man, any time, apart from any time I don't say. And you're like, okay, so Usyk doesn't really want to fight right now when we want him to fight. Fury doesn't want to fight who we want him to fight. Joshua has no clue what the hell he wants to do. You know, he's in adverts, he's at award shows. One man is anchoring our sport right now. As he tells you he does every time. Deontay Wilder is, I think, the most important man in boxing right now. The most important by far. And people can say he lost to Fury twice, drew with him once, whatever. Not, not relevant in terms of the big scheme of things. Because Fury hasn't gone on to give fans what fans want. Wilder seems to be the only guy that's willing to walk through fire for, for the fans and for his legacy. Yet no one in the, not, let me say that properly. Not many people in this country want to get behind him. And we all should. We should generally all ditch our affiliation for Fury, our affiliation for Joshua, and just go, do you know what, it's Deontay Wilder. He's the one person we've never questioned. Would he fight so-and-so? Would he not fight so-and-so? We've never questioned that. He fought Fury, yeah? He fought Ortiz twice. He fought Fury three times, Ortiz twice. This guy's not scared of anything. And he wanted to fight Joshua. As Porky will tell you numerous times, he came over here expecting to fight him in 2017 and that didn't happen and everything that's happened since has shown us Wilder would have taken the fight and Joshua's probably scared as hell now, I don't mean scared as in you're scared to fight someone you're scared of becoming a meme and that's a real thing in boxing someone was talking to me about this I can't remember who and they said there are boxers now who won't get in with punches because you don't want to be that meme. So every time you go on social media, it's you. That's debilitating to your mental health, especially if you're a fighting person. That's debilitating. But while the... Jesus, what he did to Hellenius. Like he starched Hellenius. That starched him. And I don't say that flippantly because when you see those sorts of knockouts... You worry about the health of the boxer. What other heavyweight is knocking people out while going backwards? Who? And that's twice he's done it. Remember when he did it with Spilkin? They said, oh, you just hit a smaller man, and he went over. He hit a bigger man, and he went over. While they came in at 214 pounds? He came in at Bridgerweight to fight a heavyweight. Probably not that far off making Cruiserweight. So when Usyk complains about being a small guy in the ring, Wilder was smaller than Usyk when Usyk fought Joshua. Let that sink in. Deontay Wilder weighed less to fight Robert Hellenius than Alexander Usyk did to fight Anthony Joshua. That's crazy. But to knock a man out when going backwards. The amount of skill and coordination that requires, man, and he's done it twice spectacularly. And people still don't respect how good this guy is. You know, you saw him. He, he, we only had one round to see it, but you can see at that sort of weight, he's light on his feet, he's mobile. He's not a static target to be hit. 
And maybe that weight there, that sub 220 pounds, so that sub 16 stone, is where he does his best work. Because he looked fast. That right hand he threw, you had to see it in slow motion from a different angle to understand what the hell happened. And the sound it made from, the, from whoever was filming ringside, the sound it made, sickening. And you pray that Robert Hellenius is okay. You pray that he's okay because he just did what he was supposed to do. Deontay Wilder's had a long layoff, so he needed to, to shake the cobwebs off. And he's done, he did what he was supposed to do. And now, I don't even know, man. What, if, how do I put it? As boxing fans, as a boxing community, if we had to give the microphone to one fighter and say, this guy will do boxing justice. This guy will get people excited by boxing again. Name me someone who does it better than Deontay Wilder. Who? It's post-fight. It's never too crazy. It's never too outlandish. But it's captivating. Because you're like, God, you, you've just knocked someone out and your head is thinking about this broader picture. I go, That's the sign of a leader. We should have got behind Deontay Wilder. That should have been the guy we got behind because he would have given us the fights we wanted. Instead, what did Brits do? Just tore him down. Just tore him down and there'll be people listening to this that were throwing the little barbs on Instagram and Twitter and I say shame on all of you for not getting behind this guy because there was money in Wilder there was a boxing revival in Wilder the one man that will give you the fights you want now look we probably got to go and watch Chisora versus Fury and I wouldn't even be surprised if Joshua fights Manuel Char. That's, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Manuel Chow, Otto Wallen. Just other pointless fights. And this is how much hate people will have, right? By the time you've listened to this, you will hear people start going, yeah, I want Wilder to fight Joe Joyce. That's what they'll say. I want Wilder to fight Joe Joyce. They'll never say I want Fury to fight Joe Joyce, by the way. It's rarely said that Joshua should fight Joe Joyce, but they'll say it's a... Deontay Wilder, yeah, you fight Joe Joyce. Then once you fought Joe Joyce, we want you to go into that gorilla enclosure and fight that silverback. And if you can't knock them out cold, you're a rubbish boxer. And you hear this continuously, and it's, it's tiring. And I guess it's indicative of, of how toxic boxing's become, where we all fall in love with our own individual viewpoint, even though it's not based on anything intelligent. But... Uh, I'm entitled to my opinion, mate. I'm going to say what I want to say. And so, yeah, you get this massive cloud of toxicity over it. But I'm happy for Wilder. It was a hell of a knockout. That's the kind of knockout that will scare Anthony Joshua. That's the kind of knockout where Fury will go, I don't know if I want to fight him again. Because the thing I thought I'd beaten out of him, it's still there. You mean, how many people would have had those two fights with... Tyson Fury, and we'd never have heard from them again. But you're coming back against a Hellenius who's winning. Remember, Hellenius broke, he burst that Adam Kavnacki, Kavnacki, I don't know how to say it properly. He burst that bubble when they were talking about him fighting Dillian or Derek or someone. That guy was on the way up, and Hellenius said, no, not, not this time. That's a Hellenius that Dillian couldn't stop. Wilder didn't even get to the end of the first round.
special. And then the post-fight presser, which you would have heard in the intro to this episode, that post-fight presser, he just showed how human he really is, showed how human most fighters are, because there's no real dislike in this game. There's just rivalry. There's a shared understanding of what everyone in the sport goes through to do what they do. And I thought using the Prichard Cologne example was powerful. I don't even know if he had planned to say that before, but like I said, no one is more captivating right now than Mr. Wilder. Nobody. And as British fans, if we really love the sport and we really love what this is about, the best fighting the best, he's the man we should be rewarding. He's the man we should be elevating. He's the standard bearer. Because I don't believe for one second if he was trying to make the fight with Joshua and Joshua had conceded on everything, I think that fight would have happened. So now ask yourself why the Fury fight didn't happen. Because Fury's jerking the fans around, right? That's what he's doing. He's jerking the fans around. He's jerking you around. And you're the one that follows him everywhere. And Fury power, Team Fury this. Yeah. You guys follow this man. And he just jerked you around like he did about the homeless thing. Like he did about the anchor-straighted bore me. He jerked you around again. Name me when Deontay Wilder has jerked any fan around. He said he'd fight Fury. He did. He said he'd fight Fury again. He did. Then he fought him a third time and enforced his right to fight him a third time. That's not a man that ducks. When people said Ortiz was the boogeyman in the division, he fought him once. Then he fought him again. When people said, oh, well, Brazil's chin should be able to take Wilder's power. We know what happened there. And that's not even factor in that second Stavern fight. This is a man that doesn't go missing. This is a man that doesn't really play politics. And if, you're, if you want boxing to survive into the next generation and beyond, we need more Deontay Wilders and less Tyson Furies. That's just the cold hard reality of it. So also on the card, we got to see um, Caleb Plant on his road to redemption after the loss to Canelo, uh, and he took on Anthony Durrell. Probably the, the lesser skilled, but the probably more intense of the Durrell brothers, who have been around for absolutely ages, haven't they? Wow. But what a way to end the fight. So Plant absolutely starched Anthony Durrell. And it's rare you see that, that, Hook to the body, little dip under, then straight into a left uppercut, just doubling up on the hand there, which, whoo, oh, that, that left him finished. That's the sort of, sort of shot where you're like, I think I saw his soul leave his body. Like, genuinely, I think I saw his soul leave his body. And for me, the reason this fight was interesting would be that I think Durrell had fought Benavidez. Hopefully I've got the right Durrell here. I think he'd fought David Benavidez. And his corner had pulled him out because he's just taking a hiding. And so this builds an interesting story towards if Benavidez can't get the Canelo fight, can he get the plant fight? Let's see that. Because that's another big fight. And you know, I think the way that Plant stopped him and I, like just going from that hook to the body to the uppercut, ooh. That's what you call thinking clearly under pressure. That is the definition of clarity of thought under pressure, because not many people would have tried that. And 
Just on the bits I saw of the fight, unremarkable fight. Plant wasn't doing much. You know, there wasn't anything in there that was really causing Darrell distress, and that just happened. And then that was it. Now, you guys will see on social media Plant motioning to almost to, to shovel dirt on the body of Anthony Durrell afterwards. And people say, is that in good or bad taste? And my answer back is I don't know. On one hand, you want boxing to create moments, right? And the knockout's a moment. Is the celebration part of that? In any other sport, he'd have been allowed to celebrate. Now, if we start sitting there going, well, there are ways to celebrate and there are ways not to celebrate, that gets problematic. But there's also the... I guess this is the insider in me saying, you don't know if he's okay. As he's laying on that canvas, you don't know if he's okay. And you might not want to be shoveling dirt if he then ends up having to go away in an ambulance. That's the only thing I'd, I'd, I'd ever counter against. You can't have those sorts of celebrations if the guy is still in distress. It's hard because, you, you know, on one hand, there's a duty of care to each other, right? We've all got to look out for each other. We've all got to help each other. That's how the sport grows. But on the other hand, there was legit dislike between the two. And that will probably persist beyond this fight. So I can also get where that comes from because you've got a guy there who's really looking to take your head off and doesn't like you. And so when you manage to turn the tables on them, should you have a moment to celebrate? I think you should, but others would disagree. So I'm, I'm kind of 50-50 on that one. It, because Durrell's okay, it ended up being quite a comical moment, but had he not been okay, that would have been an incredibly bad taste. Probably only other thing of note was one of the Gary Russell brothers lost. Uh, paid a heavy price once again for being reckless with the head. I think the first fight was down to a clash of heads. Second fight stopped again because of a clash of heads. But this time Rodriguez was able to to build up the lead on the scorecards. Dominant win. like. But I never know which Russell's which anyway. So a Russell lost. Um, I don't even know if they're any good. I think one of them's good and the other two kind of just live off the name. But there's too many of these Gary Russells, man. I'm confused. Who the hell even does that? Really, who does that? But that, that was the Barclay Center. Uh, Frank Sanchez won. Now he's making the Joe Joyce noises. Yeah, why not? I, I don't think he beats Joe Joyce. But, hey, if he wants to step in there, let him do that. Just just don't put his name in there with, with the big dogs because we still need those guys to to sort out who's, I mean, who's number one, two, and three. But uh, most of you tuned in for this point. So if you've if, if you scrolled along to like minute 16 or whatever it is, you want to know about Saturday's card. Um, let's just start with the fight. So I'll talk about the event in total afterwards. And I'm not going to go too deep into it because quite frankly, there's only two fights people care about. Um, let's start with Mayor Baumgartner because people say that's the, the, the controversial result of the night. And I don't think it is. I... I thought I had to watch it this morning because I had zero interest in it, to be honest. I thought Baumgartner was a comfortable winner for these reasons. One, and I don't, I don't know if this is true, so those who watched it live tell me. I thought Baumgartner outlanded Michaela May. I thought she was more accurate with what she did. And so you'd see scenarios where Michaela May would throw a jab and I don't know if it was to upset timing, but she'd almost re she'd reset herself to then throw the right hand. And in that space between the jab and the right hand, Alicia Baumgartner got her two shots off. 
and then was gone. Michaela Mayer is unbelievably slow. For a super featherweight, she's unbelievably slow. Ponderous. Like, she was an Olympian? Really? No way. No. She, she wouldn't have made Team GB. Michaela Mayo is not good enough to make Team GB. I think Karis Artingstall beats her now, if I'm being honest. I think Karis would beat her now. I think Terry Harper at 130 would have beaten Michaela Mayer. She's just, for someone who lives in Colorado, she hasn't got the stamina for the work rate she needs. Hasn't got the speed. She's not explosive. She's, she's lumbering. Just lumbering and clumsy. Uh, I'm not a fan. I remember like a, a year or so ago, we were talking about, yeah, Michaela Mayer should fight Terry Harper. I'm kind of glad she didn't because Baumgartner did a better job. And I know there's been controversy around Baumgartner and whether she's doping or not. Um, my own view is we should be testing her a bit more intensely. We should be closer to her in terms of what she's up to. But notwithstanding that, She's sharp, she's quick, and she's technically better than Michaela Mayer. Better head movement, able to get in and out. And she understands the importance of getting her shots off. You know, her counter right hand over Michaela Mayer's jab was just working every time. She, she was the better fighter. I don't even think it was a split, to be honest with you. I can't, I can't sensibly give a win to Michaela Mayer on any basis. But remember, I'm not watching it live like a lot of you were. And so my perspective is shaped by the fact that I know the result. And, I'll, and what happens normally is if you, watch, if you watch a fight after you know the result, you're just trying to fit the logic behind the result because I can't change the result, right? So I'm like, okay, let's try, find a way to justify it. I guess it's one of those kind of intellectual blind spots we have. But I, all I can say is my gut feeling is Bam Gardner outlanded Mayer and she was more accurate than Mayer. And she looked like she had heavier hands as well. You know, a couple of times she'd catch Michaela Mayer walking in and you see Mayer have to hold. And you're like, oh, she got her there. So I'm, I'm not surprised, but here's the thing. It was the definition of a nothing fight. And people, well, why would you mean, mate? What, is, what, what do they do next? What does the winner do next? What does the loser do next? Do you know what? I have no idea. All I can think of is... Getting someone like a Heather Hardy for one of them, just, re just recycling stuff that we've seen before. Uh, Delphine Pursoon, who's now getting old. You know, will any of them fight Katie Taylor? I don't even know if Katie Taylor will fight again. So in essence, it was a fight for nothing, right? This was a fight for nothing. One of them called out Serrano. No, it's a fight for nothing. It was just filler for that card. Let's just get two big names that people in this country will know about and get them in the ring. Finally, Michaela Mayer gets a big fight. And then we realize why she didn't have a big fight to begin with. She's not that good. And she's 32. Like, I'm just, I think a lot of people backed her because they found her attractive. The same reason a lot of people will back Alicia Baumgartner because they find her attractive. This is one of the problems men have. Like I said, <laughs> they've decided that Michaela May is a woman they fancy. And they'll find a story to support why she's a good boxer. She wasn't yesterday. What I saw yesterday was terrible. Like, I wasn't impressed. Um, I don't need to see her again on these shores for sure. That was just, listen, top rank, stop sending us your rubbish.
Alicia Baumgardner, a lot of guys feel the same way. They find her attractive. They love the fact that she didn't wear the cycle shorts underneath. So, do you know what I mean? When she was bouncing up and down, I'm sure there's a lot of those, those hungry incel boxing fans who, who played that on slow motion. But, yeah, a lot of people will find Baumgartner attractive and they'll weave a story around it. And remember, I called it girlfriend behavior. And that's what it is. It's girlfriend behavior. I don't need to see either of those two again in this country. Let them fight elsewhere. I don't care. That's me being honest. In terms of Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall, wow. Um, ooh, what a fight. Like, I wasn't going to watch the card. I had other things to do. I mean, I was, you know, just living up life. I got a message. It was like, T, you might want to watch this. I was like, huh? all right. Let's see. And as I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, oh, this is a real fight. This is, oh, ooh. And it wasn't, I don't think it was about dislike for those 10 rounds. It wasn't that I hate you, you hate me. It was this. We're both fighting for our legacy. This is our legacy right here. And they fought as if it was a legacy fight. And this is exactly why you have these kinds of fights and why you should never delay them. Because they'll be the same fight whenever you make it. Savannah knew her career was on the line. If you lose this, we're going to question everything else you did. Clarissa Shields knew if she lost this, being undisputed in two weight divisions would not have mattered. The two Olympic gold medals would not have mattered. We'd just be there like Savannah was always better than you. And they fought like that. Round after round, it ebbed and it flowed. Early part, first half of the fight, from what I, from what I saw, shields sharper, more accurate, hungrier, more intensity. It looked like Clarissa had had the harder camp because she came out fighting like just proper honey badger stuff man the real even as a guy if you saw Clarissa Shields like that and you're like what do you mean I gotta spar her why no you wouldn't want it like I don't care if you can outland her I don't care if you can hit harder than her the dog she showed in that fight wow like, you can't make that with, with two eggs, some self-raising flowers, some sugar. You definitely can't. Like, you've either got that or you haven't. That's someone that fights their demons every day and is determined to never let their demons win. I thought, Savannah, I thought Clarissa Shields was absolutely brilliant. I thought she showed that she was a class above any other woman in boxing. I include Katie Taylor in that. She showed that she had gears. And against Marshall, she showed those gears. So if you look at the first six rounds, I'd, I'd have said she won five of those, and maybe Savannah won one of those first six rounds. And it's almost like she knew that she was comfortable at that point. And so every so often, she'd turn it back up to remind Savannah that she was better. And then she'd be like, okay, now I can have a bit of fun. And so she, she was able to manage the rest of the fight all the way to the end and manage her energy levels. The fact that she couldn't do the 10 at the same pace isn't a concern, but it's something you want to look at and go, the new breed of people who come through will pose different challenges. And whether Clarissa Shields wants to be there for those people, I don't know. But she's 
light years ahead of where anybody else is because she has everything. Intensity, work rate. She has that dog in her. Like she's a real live dog in any fight. She's technically sound. She knows what she's doing in that ring. She's got presence of mind. She, it's like she's seen everything before. There's nothing new to her. She's accurate. She's fast. And she punches in combinations. I would say she's the best combination puncher in boxing right now. In terms of quality and consistency of combinations, yeah, she's ahead of almost everybody. Maybe there's some small guy like Chocolatito that can keep up, but from like middleweight and up, hell no. She puts guys like Canelo to shame with her work rate and her combinations. So, greatest woman of all time, happy to admit that. Like, I think she's, come on, two Olympic gold medals and you won those at a canter. You're a three-weight unified champion. You've beaten Everybody who exists that could challenge you, you have beaten them. That's it. You've completed boxing. Clarissa Shields could retire now. She can go and do her MMA stuff now. She doesn't have to come back to boxing. She might just come back for the Olympics, win a third gold medal and say, look, this is how far ahead I am of everybody. And hopefully now we'll give her the respect she deserves. You know, people can say, oh, I don't like how she is. Whatever. She's the greatest woman in boxing that's ever lived. Ever lived. Maybe that will ever live. And so where does that put Savannah Marshall? Savannah could be the second or the third greatest woman who ever lived. I think there's this massive gap between Clarissa and Savannah. But there's an equal-sized gap between Savannah and everybody else. I think Savannah Marshall beats everybody that Clarissa Shields has beaten and beats them easily. Stops a lot of them, actually. I think she does. I just think there's someone there who's just got something that you can't explain. And that's even before you have suspicions around who she's got in her camp and stuff. From day one, she's had this. From, from a 17-year-old at London 2012, she's had this. So we, we honour her and we do her justice by saying... Clarissa is special. Savannah is also special. Right? What Savannah was able to do in the second half of that fight was, was 70% of the solution. But what was missing was speed of punch and accuracy of punch. With a bit more of that and a, a smarter use of uppercuts, she would have won. So now the question you ask is, you're Savannah Marshall. There's no one left for you to fight, really, right? There's just no one left for you to fight. For both women, I think this is like the, the mountaintop. Now what? For Savannah, what do you do next? I don't want to see a rematch because I don't think it was a hard fight for Clarissa Shields. I think it was unusual for her to be tested and she had to adjust to being tested. But now that she's felt Savannah Marshall's ability I think Shields can go up another level and so why do I want to see the rematch I don't and that's no disrespect to Savannah Marshall as a boxing fan there's no call for a rematch it wasn't close enough to warrant a rematch the only reason you do one is just because it's like well it's, it's lazy matchmaking rematches for me are lazy matchmaking because well people want you to see it once they want to see it again and I don't want to see it whether she stays with Peter Fury, I don't know. 
do you, do you look at your style and go, maybe this doesn't work for me? I don't know. She has a lot of decisions to make, but what, what she, what's for certain is if she does want that rematch or she does want to ascend to that level, something has to change. And if you've been with the same trainer for years now, I don't know if the change will come from within. You know? And I say that because you think about it. When Yard lost at that level, people started to question Tunde. Right? People say, oh, he should change trainers. Now, I'm not a fan of saying people should change trainers. I don't believe you should. I think once you're in, you're in. But then she's, she's got to say, have I done everything I can here? I, I don't know, is what I'll say. Yeah, I don't know. It may be that Peter's taken an extra 20% out of her that no one else could get. It may be that he doesn't. Well, don't, it's so crazy, we don't know. And all you can say is she's got to sit down with the people she trusts and goes, what do I want to do next? What is it all about? Because if you think about her whole career to this point, her whole career has been, I need to get to Clarissa Shields. That's it. She's doing all of this stuff here. Cool, she hasn't fought me. Her her rep, her record, her legacy is not validated until she fights me. That was your whole career. That was all your energy. You got to that point. You came up short. What's the new target? Don't really know. It would be a shame if she didn't box again, but you'd also understand if she didn't box again and went off and did something else. That would be fully understandable too because I think, I just think, yeah, you've, you've hit your Mount Olympus and there's nowhere left to go. But now let's talk about the event in its broader sense. Sky took an absolute shellacking on this one. I don't know how much they've lost in total, but they've lost a, a truckload of money. Do not expect to see an all-female card again. Unless it's all world title fights or all grudge matches, you will not see an all-female card again. Um, I know the matchroom lot are not looking at doing that. Like they'll always look to have mixed cards. Whether it's a male or a female headliner, they're going to have mixed cards. And I think they've seen what's happened here and they've gone, these guys didn't really shift many tickets. So, um, just from people who were working at the event yesterday, it, I want to say it was pretty empty. You can't say that, but it's an 18,000 venue and I don't, I don't even think it was... 60% full. And of, of that 60%, who actually bought tickets? So I can name 50 people that went to that boxing event yesterday that didn't pay. Some of them were sat in row four. Some were sat in row five. Some were, were floor-side seats, expensive seats. They didn't pay. So when I said in the intro you could get tickets with your Nandos, I wasn't lying. They were just basically throwing these things at boxing clubs. Give them to the fighters. Give them to whoever. You had kids sat ringside, like six, seven-year-olds sat ringside. You're telling me they paid the, I don't know what it is, 500 quid for that seat. They didn't pay 500 quid for that seat. They were free seats. So I saw people like, yeah, look, I've got a great seat. Like, you're a fool if you bought tickets for that event. But from a marketing perspective, once you know you're going to lose a truckload of money, you may as well give the tickets away for free because it looks good. You can market that you're the home of women's boxing. Right? It's easy to do. But commercially, that was an absolute dud. If you factor in the doubling up of your fight week, just 
they probably didn't even make the ticket sales on the cost of the hotels, the food, the logistics, never mind the fight purses. This has been, an, and, and here's why it's important for you to understand this. They're going to make their money back somewhere. So look out for a dead pay-per-view, a rubbish pay-per-view, like a Kell Brook versus Liam Smith. They'll try and cook that up now because they're going to make their money back. That was a commercial disaster. And you had all of these people running around feeling self-important. Ah, I'm with this, I'm with that organization. Cool. But on Friday, like when I was heading up to Milton Keynes, people were like, T, I've got, I've got 10 tickets if you want them, if you can give them away. I was like, man, I'm not even in London. So, I mean, I passed them on to a friend of mine. And yeah, tickets were being distributed on the day. So while it was a commercial disaster, it achieved the aim of having an atmosphere for the events. And if you listen back to that atmosphere, it's a completely different atmosphere to what we're used to, right? There's a lot more treble in the noise. There's not that bass that you get from 18,000 men cheering. So this was a whole new demographic that came to this fight. Like the YouTube events, right? This is a different demographic. It felt more like a Justin Bieber concert when you listen to the crowd reaction. They didn't really know what to react to. Because, you know, generally, you get the peaks at the right times with boxing because people know what to look out for. This time, people were just happy. Someone would swing and miss and then get a cheer. And you're like, okay, okay. I couldn't be at an event like that. And it just looked like, to be honest, it looked like it was full of kids, women footballers and rugby players, um, people who were just there on a corporate jolly because they got freebies, right? People were just like, yeah, AEG were like, look, we just got these tickets. We can't get rid of them. If you want to give them to clients, do it. Yeah, so people went there. It was a heavily female crowd. Like I said, new demographic. I don't believe they would pay 500 quid to watch an all-female card. So that's your, that's your conundrum. You can't monetize the crowd you had there on Saturday night. It's impossible to monetize that crowd because there was a mum there with two kids. Brilliant, by the way. Great that the kids get to see that. But here's a question. You're going to pay 1,500 quid to sit in those seats with your two kids? You're not. It's not worth it at that point. You can watch it on TV. So the drop-off, like when you require people to really pay, they would have probably had about two and a half, three thousand people there. And that would have been an embarrassment. So once again, London boxing comes to the rescue. So I don't think you'll see an all-female card again. And I don't think that's a bad thing because the talent pool's not that deep. And we're falling into this trap and Matchroom are doing it as well. We're treating the female fighters like we do the men. And we're dragging fights out. Like, here, why can't Sky Nicholson fight Nina Hughes now? I mean, I, I've, I've put this on people like Eddie Lamb's toes before. Why can't she fight Nina Hughes now? Why can't she fight Ellie Scottney now? Why can't Ellie fight Nina Hughes now? Why am I having to wait for belts? Who gives a fuck? You're asking me to pay for tickets, and I'm willing to pay for tickets, but I can't... I can't I can't live in a country where I know that Ellie Scottney has natural rivals right here. Nina Hughes has rivals here. And you're digging people up from fucking Tanzania. For what? Make these fights happen. Like all this, yeah, they'll meet further down the line. Even like, let Karis Artinsaw get stuck in now. None of this meeting down the line. She can take these people on now. Lauren Price can take on a lot of these people now. Let her jump in with Sandy Ryan. Why are we waiting? If women's boxing pursues the same trajectory as men's boxing, it's dead in the water. 
because it's already struggling to sell tickets. So, I don't know. And there's so much talent coming through, but they're dragging it out in meaningless fights, which are essentially mismatches, right? Because you're taking people who come from elite sporting environments and having them fight shelf stackers and petrol attendants. Why? I don't know. That's not how you make money in this game. If you ask Ellie Scottie, man, she, she, she'd take a 70-30 win-loss rate to be in against people who are genuinely her peers and her rivals. I'm sure she would. She's a fighting person. You're not getting camp. and getting camp to fight, I don't know, um, a Moldovan I mean, pastry chef or whatever it is. I just... They need, to, they need to reboot women's boxing because it doesn't seem like they're willing to invest. Like, I don't think you'll see Clarissa here again. If Clarissa say you got to pay me a million to box again, I don't think she does a million worth of tickets here. I just don't. And definitely there's no opponent that would draw that out of her. So I think we've seen the peak of women's boxing this year. I don't know what you're going to do next year. Next year is just the building year. But you're going to have to have these fights. These, you can't have people riding around in Grey Civic Hall and then someone's at Victoria Warehouse. Let them fight each other, man. Jesus. But when men get involved, this stuff gets greedy and pointless. That's what I'd say. But overall, credit, credit they, the Sky Machine tried its best. But I think what Sky have learned is not everything that goes into the sausage machine is going to come out brilliant, right? Because that was always their thing. Sky were like, look, we've got this big machine behind us where we can make stars. Don't think you did it with Shields Marshall. Don't think you did it with Mayor Baumgartner. I think on Monday, we'd have forgotten this thing ever happened. That's why I'm recording today, because by Monday, people would have forgotten. I don't know how you fix that. Yeah? We had the football, uh, was it the Euros or the World Cup? I can't even remember. We had that here. The Lionesses were playing at Wembley, and they told us this is a record crowd, but they were giving away free tickets there. They were giving away free tickets at Brentford. They were just giving away free tickets in the hope that you know, they could stimulate demand. Like, I don't know what idiots they have marketing that think that the public are that stupid. Who talks about the Lionesses now? They played the other day. No one cares. The England rugby team, the England women's rugby team are out in New Zealand for the World Cup. Who cares? No one. No one cares. And it's a real shame because these women, I know like the England women have been in camp for months getting ready for this. Like, from a rugby perspective, they put weeks in and trained hard, by the way. There, there were some hard sessions from some of the videos I saw. Same with the football. You know, I know there was the controversy around them, you know, selecting based on who they were sleeping with and stuff like that. There's all sorts of murkiness that happens in female sport that never gets talked about. Well, one day we'll talk about it. But none of that stuff matters. <laughs> We've got Liverpool playing Man City today. So when that's all said and done, no one's going to talk about Shields Marshall. It's done. Harsh reality. Until you can monetize the people that were the O2 yesterday, or Saturday night, I should say, until you can monetize those people, you're not going to get a viable female sport that stands up on its own. You know, I see unified promotions try to do that up north. doesn't work. And they'll realize it just doesn't work. People don't want to pay for that. And if you were to say to me, why don't people want to pay for it? It's this. 
The two best women boxers on the planet for me, Shields and Marshall, landed heavy, well, what looked like heavy leather on each other, clean shots. Not one of them buckled, not one of them wobbled. So where's the excitement? The most exciting knockout we saw was Terry Harper from Baumgartner, where she just stiffened her up. That's it. We need more of that. That's what boxing's built on. It's built on moments like Wilder Hellenius. And until women's boxing gives us that, it's going to struggle. But then in giving us that, it's going to go down a very dark road that UCAD and Vada need to be aware of. It would be remiss of me not to talk about Haney Cambosis. Uh, right. <laughs> Haney dominated Cambosis. We're all now scratching our heads going, how the hell did this guy beat Teofimo Lopez? And secondly, most importantly, how the hell did you ruin the money? How did you ruin the money? How did Teofimo Lopez allow this to happen? Because Cambosis is terrible. Well, he's terrible. I don't know if he'd beat Sean Masha Dodd. I'm just saying, honestly, I don't think he would. Haney looked good like you're supposed to. Behind the jab, boring boxing, not entertaining. Um, I, I don't want to see Haney fight anyone. Let him keep the belt. Who cares? I just... Who cares? He's not, he's not interesting. He's not entertaining. Um, Tank, Ryan Garcia have the energy at the moment. We still want to see what Loma can do. Devin Haney, eh, whatever. That's how I feel about him. He's like, ah, whatever. And I can't tell you what it is about him that's disagreeable. Because I can't even get it right in my own head. But there's something about Haney in general that's quite disagreeable. Number one, he's not an entertaining fighter. He's not a knockout specialist, although he's so much better than everyone he should be. So he's not a knockout specialist. He's not a flashy combination puncher. He's just... If you were going to box just based on stats, you'd box like Devin Haney. But we love boxers who box based on soul, spirit, fight, hunger, desire. And he doesn't seem to show any of those. So I'm not really a fan. That's why I didn't talk too much on it. Good win for Sky Nicholson. As I said earlier, stop messing around with her. Put her in a hard fight for God's sake. I'm tired of this. She's only a baby nonsense. It's spoken by people who don't know anything. Baby for what? She's not taking heavy shots in that division. So it's about whether she can just work at that pace consistently. And if she can't, then what the hell has she been doing in the Australia Elite Athlete Program for all those years? Stop with the nonsense, man. Let them fight. I think that's a, probably a good point to sign off. I'm going to go and enjoy the rest of my Sunday. So you guys have a great end of your weekend, early next week, whenever you choose to listen to this. Uh, actually, let me just address something. And he signed off there. People, so people are asking when me, Martin, and Andy are going to get back together and record an episode. And I'm, look, we're, we're all supportive of that idea. I think the challenge you're going to have is right at the beginning of our friendship, and, which is what it is, it was about boxing, right? We had a shared love of boxing and the, and the shenanigans and the chicanery around it and how we wanted to just boot that door open and say to the fans, we don't want this anymore, right? But that's like six and a half years ago, if not more. In those years, I think we've evolved as men, as characters. We've had experiences, stories and stuff. And yes, boxing still remains at the core of what we talk about and stuff. But if we do an episode... I'm just saying this so people are prepared mentally. 
there'll be some boxing talk in there, but they'll probably just talk that reflects three people that have been friends for a while because I was at Martin's birthday on Friday. And you realise boxing's just an incidental part of it now. Do you know what I mean? I've seen him go through his own changes as a man, lose weight, take up football, rediscover his love for football, make new friends through football, new social circle, new job, just reinvigorate his life. And I've seen Andy do the same. You know, Andy's, you know, budding rock star at 30-something years old, right? And I've seen these guys grow. And I'm interested in the stories because we don't get to sit down as our generation of men and really... Just talk, have a laugh, talk about some of the dumb stuff we do. There isn't anything on the market for that. So we'll always talk boxing because I think people want to hear some of our views on boxing. But just know that it can never be that narrow focus anymore. So I don't want to hear any, if we do an episode, I don't hear anybody and I will slap you. Anyone that says, oh, you lot aren't hardcore anymore. We never were hardcore. If you want hardcore, Porky's Corner, right? That's it. Go there. Great content, great character, knows his stuff. We'll sit there with 52 screens on his wall like Dennis Hopper in Speed and watch everything. If you want, go there. You want something that feels like what you would talk about in the pub on a Friday night, then you know where to come. But just flagging it, so I don't want anyone to say, oh, we thought there'd be more boxing. I don't hear any of that. Yeah, I don't. Because you know what, I'm putting on people's toes, yeah? When I'm seeing people in public, I'm putting on people's toes. That's all I'm going to say on that. So the episode, can, the episode can and will happen. I just don't want to hear anyone say, mate, I didn't have three hours of really arcane boxing terminology. You might not get that. And that's okay. We've all kind of moved past that, man. Like we've, we've had rich and fulfilling lives. And I hope all of you have had rich and fulfilling lives. And if you have, don't you want to tell those stories? That you want to have a laugh about what you've been up to? Why not? I do. So just, yeah, just thought I'd flag that. Don't know when it's going to happen. God knows, man. Calendars have to line up and stuff. But, yeah, we'll get something cracking. And on that note, I'm going to say take care, guys. Enjoy the rest of your week or your weekend whenever you're listening to this. Mm-hmm.